Life in the sweet spot. Life in the sweet spot is about thriving in the most important things. When Jesus was asked about what the most important things were, one of the passages, Mark chapter 12, where he said, uh, he answered that question. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. That's the most important thing. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is what the most important things are. And we, so we've been looking at life in the sweet spot, engaging with God with our heart, engaging with God with our soul, engaging with God in our mind, engaging with God in our strength, engaging with God as we love our neighbors, as we live like we're not the center of the universe, as Cain summed it up last week. And this, this morning I want to talk about that part, that phrase where he says, loving your neighbor as yourself. My title this morning is about life in the sweet spot, is about self-care too. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? That phrase in the scripture where Jesus says, and the second commandment is, is love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's an interesting way for him to phrase it. And I'm sure you've thought of it before because it's one of the most famous questions that Jesus, or, or answers that Jesus gave to any question. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's this sort of supposition that we are going to love ourselves. There's a self-care built in. Now, for sure this is not about the, you know, it's all about me, yay. <laughs> that cannot be what Jesus was talking about. I mean, when you look at this text, when you, the, the text that we're, we're talking about, it there's a self-care built into that, but this is not about self-centeredness. Self-care is not self-centeredness. Self-care is not self-indulgence. Self-care is not self-adoration or self-worship. Self-care is about uh, taking care of ourselves so that we can do the two most important things that Jesus talked about. Now go back to that verse. In fact, wouldn't you mind, Davis, going back to that verse for me? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love. These verses are about loving God. That's the most important thing. Oh, and secondly, loving people. That's the second most important thing. There's just this little thing tacked on that makes an assumption that you're going to need to love yourself, but in order to what? To do those other two things. You tracking with me? I actually, just to look at the, find the graphic, the I Heart Me graphic on the internet, I actually stumbled upon about 500,000 blogs of people who were completely self-indulgent and self-centered, and it was all about loving me, but not for the purpose of first loving God, second loving others. But nonetheless, it's built into the teaching of Jesus, that there's self-care required so that we can do that. It's sort of like Jesus said, listen, I know you're going to love yourself. I know you're going to be focused on yourself. I know you're going to take care of yourself because you have to. Those aren't bad things to make sure that you have health and life and food and clothing and joy. And, like, those are not bad things. So I know you're going to be taking care of yourself, but this is what Jesus is saying. But do it healthfully so that you can love God and love people. So yes, not self-centeredness, but self-care for the purpose of loving God, for the purpose of being able to do the other two commandments. It's like, you know, I remember early, one of the first airplane trips that I ever took, I remember the experience of them demonstrating the uh, oxygen masks. In the unlikely event that our cabin loses pressurization, do you know this, this spiel that they do? What do they tell you to do with it? First, you put on your own mask and then you help any small children. 
You got to have the oxygen flowing through you so that then you can see, feel, act clearly enough, think well to take care of people. Most of us go, you know what? The noble thing would be, I'm not, I don't need oxygen. I'm going to go out there and help people. And then you'd be like a woozy down the aisle and nobody would get any of your help. It's that kind of a concept. In the event, in the unfortunate event, in the unlikely event that our world would lose oxygen and we would all be thinking not very well, you put your own oxygen mask on first. And you've got something to give to those around you. That's what this Jesus is sort of talking about here. And you look at it the other way. You look at it from the other angle. You, your health, can be so compromised. You and your health can be so corrupted, messed up, broken, that you can't be a lover of God and a lover of other people. Does that resonate with you as a reality? You could be so, your life and your heart and your, you, you could be so not having taken care of yourself that you can't possibly be in a place to love God or love other people. So Jesus says, so as you're going to go do the first commandment of loving God, you're going to go do the second commandment of loving your neighbor, do it out of someone who loves themselves, someone who takes care of themselves. So this is my framing statement this morning. I thrive when I'm taking care to be healthy and whole. Life in the sweet spot, thriving, is about when I'm taking care to be healthy and whole. And if I was to add some long phrase on the back of it, I would say, because then I can fully love God and fully love other people, which are the two most important things Jesus said. So I'm gonna thrive when I'm taking care to be healthy and whole. In light of being healthy and whole, look at this text from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. This is Paul talking to the church in Thessalonica. Just look at that first phrase. He says, and this is my blessing on you toward the end of his letter. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. You know what sanctify means? Sanctify means made holy, transform you, change you, make you his worthy servant. But sanctify you, what is the words after sanctify you? Is, is anybody here? Hey, hello? Through and through. Sanctify you through and through, like all the way, like holy, like, like, all, like in all parts of you. I want you to be sanctified. May God do his work in all parts of you. So self-care then it starts to get defined here. Look at the next phrase. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of Christ. While you live on earth, take care of yourself. Let God do his work all the way through you. May your spirit your soul, and your body not get so corrupted that you can't love God, love other people. Did you just track with me? Do some self-care. Take an inventory so that your whole spirit, soul, and body, through and through, all parts of you, would be so taken care of, would be transformed by God, would be, would be uncorrupted, would be blameless, the scripture says, so that you're well enough to assist those near you. <laughs> So let's do an inventory this morning. I want to do an inventory this morning. I love doing inventories. I love, do you get nervous about inventories? Not too long ago, I had a couple of, of, of health, little weird health things that all happened in the same week. It was kind of bizarre. I kind of wondered what was going on. I saw the eye doctor. I saw the, uh, the uh, uh, bottom end doctor. I saw, I had all kinds of stuff going on. I actually had a, well, so everybody, some of you cyclists know, and I had a, a front end doctor. I had all kinds of doctors. All in one, like this one week, I got all this stuff, and I was really nervous because in this inventory, you know what's going to happen if you take an inventory? You go get a bunch of tests, you're like, 
they're going to find some junk wrong. That is for sure the case. And I couldn't figure out whether the, the, the comfort of knowing what we were dealing with and analyzing it that way was greater than the, you know, the sort of the, the false peace I lived with and living in denial about whether or not I was doing okay. And f- it turns out I was great. I was super great. Back end doctor, 10 years. Don't need to see him for 10 years. So I'm all good. But I, this, this, this idea of taking an inventory kind of frightens us because we're like, we're not sure what we're going to find. But I want you to know that this is going to be a good news inventory because this is an invitation to be thriving people. This is an invitation to be all that we're supposed to be as God's creation, God's men and women. So let's do an inventory. Spirit, soul, and body. One, spirit. And this phrase, our spiritual health comes from living in his presence. Let's talk about our spiritual health. How spiritually healthy are we? It comes from living in his presence. This is where spiritual health comes from, getting in the presence of God. Very famous verse that you've heard, you've seen it maybe on grandma's wall on a plaque. It says this, Psalm 4610, it says, be still and know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations, like this is how how magnificent God is. I'm going to be exalted in the earth. This is how glorious God is. So be still and get your head around who I am, God says. Sort of like put yourselves in my presence and stop for a minute and reflect on what this means. See, our spiritual health comes from practicing the presence of God, of getting in God's presence. Our spiritual health comes from living in his presence. So what does living in his presence do for our spiritual health? Spiritual health? It's that when we get in the midst of, of God's presence, if we stop and practice and recognize that God is alive and well, it, it changes our view on everything. If God is real, it changes everything. So getting still, even in activity, but a stillness of soul, just getting recognizing that we're in God's presence, inviting God into the moment that we're in, all of that sort of practicing, God is here, God is real, God is with me, God is here, God has orchestrated this, God is sovereign enough to meet me in this, God is big enough to handle this, all of that practicing God's presence, it changes us because we realize, wow, okay, now that's a different story than I'm out here doing this, excuse me, doing this on my own. This is the point of the Sabbath. Did you know that? It's, it's the point of the, of the Sabbath in the Old and the New Testament. That we would take a break from our endless striving and doing life and working. And just even symbolically for a day or even symbolically and not doing any kind of work at all, we would say, why? Because we're remembering that God's at work. We're remembering that God is on the job. Remembering that Aslan is on the prowl, if you're a C.S. Lewis fan. He's real, and he's here. And you see how spiritual health would come from living in that presence? I didn't say spiritual strength, like, oh, you got to, I'm talking about spiritual health, which is just this orientation to the fact that God is real and he's in my life. That's how living in his presence strengthens us, makes us healthy spiritually. Stillness, even in activity, causes us to recognize that God is there. Think about going through a day, starting with your commute. 
God is present in this place. I told you, I'm, I'm all, these days it's just part of a spiritual discipline to try to get in the right lane and believe that God loves me enough to get me where I'm going and that all of the stupid people on earth will not get in my way. Just, just, just get in the right lane. I'm going to get there. I'm going to leave early enough. I'm going to get there when I need to get there. Just, this is my practicing that God is real. Start with your commute, that God is present with you in that car. And then to your office that morning and the tasks that are there. If God is real and he is with you, think about engaging with the first person you see, whether that's the the security officer in the lobby or whether that's your partner in business. Just think about that God is present in all of that. And so what are you bringing to that moment? Think about the appointments that you go through the day that you say to yourself, Lord, what do you have in this deal? What what, what am I feeling, the anxiety I'm feeling about this particular meeting? What, What if God, you were real and you would show up and I could give you and trust you for this meeting? What about where would I go to lunch today, God? Because it's been a hard day and I want to feed my flesh and cheese and french fries sounds good to me just cheese and french fries but maybe i'm going to do something different for lunch today like what would you do with your lunch hour and you go through your whole day and then when i come home for me i come home my spouse is waiting for me what am i going to bring to the table god if you were real what is she going to need from me when i walk in this door and what gifts will i need from you to assess that situation and be the man that I need to be for her right now. Do you hear this engagement, practicing the presence of God? I'll go on if you go like this. I'll just go to the next point and know that you got me. You with me? No, you want to talk more about that? All right. Spiritual health comes from practicing God's presence, and you can see that because we would invite him to all of it. So how do we respond to this? We resist the agnosticism. Think about this phrase. We resist the agnosticism that comes from an unpracticed life. When we don't practice the presence of God, we sort of live as agnostics. For all practical purposes, we're agnostics. We go, I don't know. I don't know if God's there. I don't know if it matters. I don't know. You with me? We resist that agnosticism because we practice. We say, no, this is what I'm putting my hope in. And it takes an element of faith, but, but, but that worldview makes way more sense to me than the fact that maybe he's not around. And so I'm going to live into this. So we resist that agnosticism that comes from a non-practicing life. And part of that is that we resist, listen to this, we resist the shame that comes our way that tries to convince us that we're actually not worthy of experiencing the presence of a holy God. Most of us go, I don't know, you know what? I'm not sure what I believe about God, but I'm pretty sure there's better people that he wants to bless, be with, empower I look at the junk in my life and I go, I, I don't know if he's all that interested in engaging with me, leading me, blessing me, being a part of my life. But examining it and practicing the presence of God as we come against that lie and we're able to release that shame. So responding to it is resisting that agnosticism and that shame and taking one step toward practicing the presence of God, taking one step toward, toward being closer to God. Maybe your one step is just one step of practicing God's presence is sort of doing a, take one day next week and on every item on your calendar, like invite the presence of God, recognize the presence of God, remember the presence of God and see if it doesn't change the way you engage, interact, trust, believe, feel joy, peace. All day for a whole day, see what happens. Practicing the presence of God. 
If God were real, that's that idea. We have if tables. Many of you women in our church are in these if tables. That's what the concept is. If God were real, now what does that mean about who I am and how I'm gifted and where he's put me right now and what God could accomplish through me? If he were real, we practice his presence. I thrive when I'm taking care to be healthy and whole. Spiritual health comes from living in his presence. Two more quick ones. We talked about spirit. What about may your whole soul be kept blameless? Emotional health, number two, comes from living in his truth. Emotional health comes from living in his truth. Spiritual health comes from living in his presence. Emotional health comes from living in his truth. John 8, 30, about Jesus' teaching. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. Now look at, listen, don't miss that. The word of God comes out of Jesus and belief comes, okay? Even as he spoke, many believe in him. There's power in the words of Jesus. There's power in the word of God. There's power in the truth that comes from God. Somebody help the preacher right now. Give me an amen. There's power in the word of God. Are you with me? It comes from him, and belief comes. And then follow it. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Emotional health comes from living in his truth, because the truth will set you free. Emotional health comes from living in his truth because the truth sets you free. Sets you free from what? Friends, the reality of it is our emotional unhealth comes from lies that we believe. You could reduce your emotional health especially those of you that have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on therapy. You could reduce, you know, you have this insight. You could reduce your emotional unhealth to one or two core lies that you believe that aren't true. Do you know that? And I bet if we were together over coffee, we could just figure it out pretty darn quickly. What's your core lie? Because the enemy of our souls, our families of origin, wounds that have happened to us, life itself, our culture, media, whatever, we've been lied to so many times and in so many ways that we've adopted some of these lies and it's harmed us emotionally. Let me give you an example. My core wound came from when I was 13 years old and my happy family broke up because my parents got a divorce. I didn't know they were gonna get a divorce. I didn't even know they were unhappy, but all of a sudden it's like my family was done, right? And so I'm 13 years old and my, I come home, my parents are like, we're not going to be together anymore. My core wound, friends, my lie is, I guess I'm on my own. That lie is at the core of every emotional wound that I have. And I live that lie every day in some way, shape, or form. Because I've been around a lot of men and guys that have helped you know, walk with me, I like, I've recognized that it's the lie and I can start to see the lie coming way up the street before it gets me and, and takes me out of the game sometimes. But the lie is, huh, I guess I'm on my own. So when I face a difficult situation in my life, my lie says, well, you better figure that out, man. There's nobody going to help you with that, including God. You, you with me? My emotional dysfunction comes from believing a lie. But the truth of God's word comes at us. As Jesus speaks, belief comes and the truth sets us free. And in fact, it is not true that I am on my own. 
but that God sees me and is sovereign and is with me and is for me and no one can snatch me out of his hand, right? I can quote all the scripture verses about it because I'm going to come at the lie with truth. Emotional health comes from living in the truth, living in his truth. So how do we respond to that? We put on us massive doses of his truth and come against the lies that we, that we face. I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are here. It's part of it. Come, sit under the ministry of the word and let the truth keep coming and battering against the lies and keeping them back. What's your core wound? What lie? How could, this is a great, this would be great homework for you to go, what lie do I believe when I'm at my worst, when I'm not thriving emotionally? I'm the screw-up, I'm the addict, I'm the divorced person, uh, I'm a hothead. What identity, what lie have you just embraced? And how would you take God's truth and come at it? Emotional health comes from living in his truth. I thrive when I'm taking care to be healthy and whole, spiritually, emotionally, and then last, physically. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. Physical health health comes from living out his calling. Physical health comes from living out his calling. What do I mean by this? What I mean is, this is physical health comes from realizing what God has called us to do, that what God has called us to do will require something of me, so I take the steps to be physically able to do it. If we have no purpose in our life and no calling in our life, then we sort of spiral physically. But physical health comes not because I want to look better than the next guy. Ben's got that nailed down. There's no way I can compete. Physical health comes from saying, I've got some things to do for God, and I've got to be ready to do it. Here's a stupid, silly one, really silly one. This is, this is I'll, I'll own one, and then I'll put one on my wife, okay? Love you, baby. Here we go. Mine, I can't get overtired because I will be so irritable as to be the opposite of a gift to the world. <laughs> Sleep's important to me. Somehow there's something manly about it. I only need four hours sleep. Friends, if I got four hours sleep every night, I, well, you would have fired me a long time ago. <laughs> and so I gotta, when, if I'm overtired, I don't want to engage in my relationship with my wife because I'm not the gift that God called me to be to her. You with me on that? Hers is blood sugar level. Okay? Just keep a candy bar in your purse, honey. That's what we need. You, to be the person you need to be for this moment, for these people, for this double date, for those relationships, for your children, you got to keep her blood sugar up because she has low blood sugar. Her family does. She has low blood pressure too. It's like her blood pressure is like single digits. It's like eight over seven. I don't understand it. (laughs) But if she doesn't get enough food, she just sort of like shuts down a little bit. Anybody have low blood sugar? You know what I'm talking about? No one likes you. Eat a Snickers, right? (laughs) Physical health comes from understanding that I have a calling to do and that I need to be ready and able to do it. Friends, this is about rest. Listen to these words. It's about energy. It's about sobriety. It is about sexual purity and health. It's about taking all that that has to do with my body and being ready to respond to God and therefore be ready to pour out for God as long as he needs it 
and needs me to do it. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something that I, 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 I try not to say it too often. When, I, when, the, when the whole computer world came out and everybody was online and, I, you know, I'm old enough to remember all of that stuff, and I had already had, I think, two or three, one of, two or three of my daughters. But when the whole temptation thing started happening with the accessibility of pornography, one of the things that I recognized was, especially as a kid from a divorced family, that I need to be a man and present for my kids, I recognized I was going to have daughters. And that any damage to my brain, my psyche, my body around my image, my understanding of women, I couldn't afford it because I was raising girls. And then when I had a son, I recognized I have to tell him how to protect himself and how to have pure relationships going forward and how to be sexually pure and how not to damage his brain in the way that pornography is damaging brains. Friends, the accountability on me to be a dad to three girls and a dad to a son has kept me free from pornography. And I know the enemy is going to come at me this week for saying that out loud. But it's possible, A, and B, it's necessary for my calling to keep myself pure. Do you understand? What is that for you? Is it rest? Is it addiction? Is it substances? Is it alcohol? Is, it, what is it for you? Is it pornography? We, gotta do, we have to do an inventory and look and say physical health comes from saying I have a calling from God and I need to take those steps. So how do we respond to that? We release the shame that comes from self-hatred because we failed, and we take one step closer back to God toward health. We release, did you hear those two things? We release the shame that comes from failure, from the self-hatred of having failed and not taking care of our bodies, and we take one step toward physical health. This is our inventory, friends. Back to the framing statement, and band, why don't you guys come up? The framing statement, I thrive when I'm taking care to be healthy and whole so that I can love God and love people. I'm thriving when, I, when, I take, when I'm taking care to be healthy and whole. Friends, this is not about beating you up as we take an inventory because that never helps, am I right? We beat ourselves up all the time. That doesn't help. But it's an invitation to good news that you can and you should love yourself, take care of yourself so that you can love him and others. Because listen, in that invitation, that invitation to take care of yourself is the good news that if you take an inventory and you go, wow, I'm not doing well at all. The good news is today is a fresh start. As we take an inventory, it's not about, wow, I don't measure up, that's awful. It's about saying, I want to be your person, God, today. I want to come and meet with you today. I'm going to take a step toward health today. Spiritual health, emotional health, physical health. The end of the verse that I read in 1 Thessalonians, I don't have it on the screen, but it said, you know, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The next verse, verse 24, says, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. He'll do the work in you. And so we come to him for our health, and for our fresh starts. Let's stand and worship him. Would you have a seat for just a minute? I want us to reflect on this as we move into a couple more songs. There's a question of the week I want to give you. How has shame kept you from self-care? 
How has shame kept you from self-care? There's shame involved in every one of these kind of moments of inventory for us. When we think about our spiritual wholeness, we feel like, I, man, I, I don't even know if I deserve to be in his presence. And it keeps us from living in his presence. Emotional health. There's shame where we believe the lie for so long that we think that's who we are. I'm the person with an out-of-control temper. I'm the pornography addict. I'm the divorce guy. Whatever identity is rooted in a lie as opposed to the truth, shame comes and keeps us in bondage. Spiritual wholeness, emotional wholeness, physical wholeness. Think of the shame spiral of having failed in terms of pornography or of overeating or of drinking. We just think, oh gosh, it's too late for that for me. And shame keeps us in bondage. Remember Jesus said the truth, though, is going to set you free. How has shame kept you from self-care? Because, friends, part of loving yourself, part of self-care, is being able to receive the grace and forgiveness of Jesus that he offers. To be able to take him at his word that there is enough grace for everything that you have done and enough grace for everything you haven't done. And that he will come and extend his mercy beyond measure to you. And some of you today, in hearing about this inventory stuff, need to care for yourselves by receiving the forgiveness of Jesus. Again, today. Ephesians 3.12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. That only happens because of God's grace on us. Do you this morning, as we continue in worship, need to receive the mantle of grace and to throw off the covering of shame in your life? You have everything you need to be pleasing to our God and Savior right where you are as you respond to him. As we sing this song, we enjoy the presence of God, be thinking about this shame piece, and some of you need to throw that off today. I, first hour, a couple people without being invited came and, and came to the altar. If you need to do that, come. You don't come because you come groveling. You come to receive God's grace. You come to present yourself to the presence of God because you can approach him with freedom and confidence. Let's continue to worship as we process that. And then we're going to remain standing and finish our, our worship gathering with one more song. And I just don't want you to leave here without thinking about what's one step you can take toward caring for yourself, toward moving into the presence of God for your spiritual life, toward, toward a dose of truth for your emotional health, toward, toward, uh, toward a physical, a step toward physical health, something you need to begin to do or stop doing. Don't, don't leave here this morning without saying, Lord, by the grace, you've called me to it. You're faithful, God. You'll do this work in me. Don't leave here without hearing from the Lord say, try this as you move toward taking care of being healthy and whole.